Hello, and welcome to One Stop Co-op Shop, your one stop for board game news and reviews. This week, game designers Peter Gusis and Michael Kelly will review a cooperative game and have a related design discussion. Hello, and welcome to the One Stop Co-op Shop, your one stop for co-op news, reviews, and playthroughs. I'm Peter, and today we're going to be reviewing Astronites. What's up, Mike? Hey, let's Astronite it up, buddy. I mean, sure, that's a thing that people do. That's an adjective? Uh, yeah. Verb. Verb. Yeah, verb. It's something we're doing, man. <laughs> that's a thing. That's a thing. So uh, for those of you who don't know, Astronites is by uh, Indie Boards and Cards, and they are also the makers of another game, which you might be familiar with, which is Aeon's End. And Astronites is, I would say, a spiritual successor to Aeon's End. Uh, I would say it's more than a spiritual successor. <laughs> a replacement? I don't know. We'll talk I mean, about yeah, it. I would say, like, what is it? Hey, Steve's in the chat. Hey, Steve. Yeah, I would say that it's, uh, I don't know, 80% the same game, 85% the same game. I don't know. We'll, we'll get into that later. <laughs> yes, because that is going to be part of our design discussion today, which is going to be Aeon's End versus Astronite. Mike, let's talk about what we've been playing lately, or do you want to thank the Patreons first? Yeah, I'll totally do that. And I didn't <laughs> accidentally close the window that had the names after I had it totally ready. Let's uh, definitely talk about what we've been playing first. How about you, Peter? What have you been playing? Well, I played quite a bit of Astronites. We also played a game called... What was it called? It's not co-op. It does have a solo mode, though, and the solo mode was pretty good for it. Uh, you hated the competitive mode. What was that civilization game? Oh, Mosaic. Mosaic, yeah. And and I said it wrong again, and I don't yep. know. I, don't, and I, 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 that, I, I was like, I'll say it first, and Peter won't get it wrong. Mosaic, mosaic, I got it. I don't know why I put an ack at the end, like, ack! <laughs> that was Mike's reaction to that game. So, it does have a solo mode, though, and the solo mode's actually pretty good. You do change up quite a bit of how you set up and do things like that, but it's pretty quick to play as solo because you're constantly involved and one thing i like about it and um i know it wasn't your kind of game it's a civilization game in maybe in name or in theme only uh certainly it's a lot about deck building and area control and and controlling spots on the board and putting your things on top of tokens and and pulling them up and matching symbols so it's got a little bit of that terraforming mars part of it to it but the thing i really liked was the quick turns so for me, that was the best part of it. I'm not usually a words on cards across the board person. I'm usually not an area control person. But for some reason, this one hit a couple notes that worked for me, but certainly need more plays to figure out if it's something that's going to stay in the collection. Yeah, and for me, I, I didn't love it again. We only played uh, Mosaic competitively. Yeah, it, it did remind me a bit of like Terraforming Mars, but fiddlier. At least on a first play, that's how I felt. Sure. It's an entirely a fair comparison because I played more Terraforming Mars. Um, and yeah, like theme-wise, it, it you know says it's a Civ game. I, I would say it's about as Civ as uh, Tapestry, the Stonemire one, which I think is also not very uh, Civ-like. I guess. They both but have like least, names and technologies <laughs> that do things. <laughs> I mean, at least there's a board and the technologies are like, you know, if it's military, you're putting units on the board and yeah, killing I mean, other okay. people's units. I mean, I don't know that Tapestry even had that much to it <laughs> when it came to theme. I mean, yes, technically there is something that could be considered combat by somebody who's squinting their eyes really hard in this game. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Nice. Not your favorite. Uh, 
the another game I've been playing, a solo game, and uh, we talked about this a couple episodes again and or ago, and it's back on the table again. Is Imperium Classics? Oh yes. <laughs> I was like, what is the first word? I know it's classics. Imperium Classics. Which every time I play that game, I enjoy it more and more. I think it's really good solo. I think it's probably really good two player, and we didn't love it three player because. They're just some attacky cards that target everybody else that don't scale for some reason. Like, it's just like, get two minerals from everybody instead of just getting two minerals from one person. It's like, okay, well, that seems weird. (laughs) I mean, you could make it a house rule for it, but um, it's good enough with uh, solo and two-player. Plus, the downtime would probably be an issue at higher player counts as well. So, no, I think it's probably best at those two-player counts. Yeah, those are my preferred ones as well. Yeah, hearing you talk about it as much made me want to play it the other day, and I was like, oh, it's at Peter's house. <laughs> so, well, you could have kept one idea. of them. We There are two games, classic. Oh, that's right. They are standalone, aren't they? Yep, and you have them separated as such. I'll be honest, I'm too scared to play Legends. Because... Oh, and that's the one I want to play more, because I didn't dig into that one much. Uh, Steve, actually, from the streaming channel, sent that to me, the uh, Legends one. So I got I to gotta dig into that. Yeah, I heard it's a little bit more complex, and that's yes. what scared me off a little bit of it so far. So. But Colin also said the complexity like gave the civilizations even greater like variety and kind of individual like stuff. Like the Arth- Arthurians are like pursuing these quest cards and things. So, you know me, I like faction variety. So that part excited me. Yeah, cool. Uh, anything you've been getting to the table? Yeah, a couple things. A lot of family gaming. I traded... No, I bought on Amazon, maybe, the Princess Bride Adventure book game. I didn't talk about this last time, did I? Yes, you did, but let's hear the... Uh, your, well, yeah, your... so we played a lot more. Last time, I'd only played it a single time with my wife, and it turned out we had played wrong. Like, we almost lost. I was like, man, that's a really hard first scenario. <laughs> turned out you don't start with zero cards in your hand. You start with four cards each in your hand. You know, imagine, like, playing Pandemic, but starting with zero cards. <laughs> yeah, probably not good. <laughs> that's what it was. Yeah, so m- much easier since then. Almost too easy now. I'm like, maybe we should do, like, two or three cards at hand <laughs> to strike a balance. But my son and I uh, played through Wesley's Chores, which is the first uh, scenario. Uh, ch- being chased by the Dread Pirate Roberts in the ship, which is the second scenario. And then climbing the Cliffs of Insanity and beating uh, Inigo and uh, Fezzik and Vizzini. Wait, um, that's one there. scenario? That's what, yeah, that, yeah, that one's very quick, like going through all that. I thought it would be split up more as well. So that's I mean, that's like the I've best part of the movie. They should like I know, totally I know. break that up more. My son, th- this is the coolest part. So, so to, to give my thoughts, I, I don't know if I'll ever do a video on it. It's so light. It's light as air. And the mechanics are like the simplest kind of mechanics ever. It's very swingy. It's very random. But you can, like, do some kind of clever things. I I don't know if it'll have much replay once we finished it, but it's very family-friendly, and if you like The Princess Bride, it's certainly got a lot of charm going with it. And the thing that, like, really sells it for me that I'm I'm glad I bought this one is that uh, Harrison, my 10-year-old, the one that I played through the first three scenarios, you know, after we finished that, he's like, Dad, let's play the Fire Swamp. Dad, let's play the Fire Swamp. And I was like, ah, it's pretty late, dude. We're going to stop for now. He apparently, you know, I go to work before the kids get up. <laughs> My wife and he told me that uh, he he woke up, you know, like 7 a.m. And before he got ready for school, he set up scenario four, read the rules by himself, played it by himself solo and beat it. Two-handed. Oh, wow. He was like, yeah, daddy, the rules said I should play two characters. So I played two. <laughs> I was like, hey. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. That and him playing like Spirit Island with me multiple times uh, last week. I'm in like a. Gaming renaissance. That's pretty cool. <laughs> uh, Ryan's here. Hey, Ryan. 
And Steve said, I wish Imperium worked for me. I should love it. Well, I'm glad it didn't work for you, Steve, because now we have legends. Our <laughs> gain is your generous contribution. Yes, thank you, Steve. So it's Steve Kingsley, the king of co-op, who is on this podcast it. probably every four weeks. And then Ryan Picklesimer, whose name... Hey, you got it! You I it. can now say! So, uh, welcome, welcome, fellas. And anybody else out there, please feel free to chat in your thoughts on any of the games we played, or Astronauts, if you have any thoughts on them as well. So... And for those of you who are confused on the podcast, we're doing it live on the One Stop Co-op Shop streaming channel. That's where people are talking to it. We record usually Tuesday or Thursday before the episode is is released. But yeah, so Princess Bride, super hit for the family. Not one I would recommend at all for anybody who considers themselves like a gamer gamer. But with my family, it's been great. And I've been playing a lot of Heat. I uh, just played it solo today and played it with uh, Harrison twice yesterday. I forget if I mentioned it last week. I might be reiterating myself, but I, I'm out $150 for the Rallyman Kickstarter after the company went uh, bankrupt. So, yeah, I've been assuaging my, my sadness with some Heat plays, and I don't need Rallyman because Heat is awesome. Uh, I'll be yeah, honest. Like for- Between Heat and Ready, Set, Bet, last year might be the best year ever for racing games. I, I, <laughs> I mean, it's a very specific a niche. <laughs> it's not even a racing game. It's a betting game. Ready, set, bet? Well, it's about horse racing, right? That's like people who say Downforce is a racing game. It's not a racing game if you are not controlling a racer in a concentrated way. If I if I went to like the racetrack right now and was certified to like drive one of those cars and I got into a car, I would not be like betting on the other cars and moving them with my mind. All right, that's not a racing game. I mean, when I go to the track, I say I'm going horse racing for the day. You do? No. Yeah, exactly. No, I do not. Of course Um, not. First of all, I don't go to the track. Second of all, if I did, I certainly wouldn't tell people I'm going racing. But I mean, Ready Set Bet is not a racing game, but it's it's a fun game. It's a great bidding game, but that's all that I would call it personally. I mean, at least downforce, you have control over what the cars are doing. Ready Set Bet, you're just (laughs) you're just betting, dude. (laughs) I mean, that that, as somebody's in control of the horses, fate. Fate is in control. Yeah, okay, fine. Yeah, fair, fair enough. <laughs> fate's, fate's playing the best racing game of all time, and they're having a yes. blast. But yes, Heat uh, has been fun. And then uh, the last one, I've actually played a co-op yet, but I did a play on the channel last week, which is Hoplomachus Remastered. They sent us a review copy of that one. I'm going to do something comparing it to Victorum. I'm still collecting my thoughts. I've only played one of the co-op modes. There's two co-op modes and then some competitive modes. Okay. But it is very nice... To have a one-off option, I gotta say that like that's gonna be a big part of my review. Do you of the two? Do you like the co-op better than the old Hoplomachus co-op? It's very similar. It seems like it's better balanced, and there's more variety in the units, which means more powers. Sure. Which means theoretically more combos between factions. You know which, what I mean? Which also means more to remember or whatever else. Yeah, right? but it's not that so. It's actually, well, it's very similar to Victorum. So I don't want to get too much into this because we'll probably do an episode of Remaster. But but in brief, remember how uh, Peter and Victorum, like you would just have your hero and they wouldn't have too much stuff yet? Yep. And then you'd start out with just the basic units in the bag and very slowly you'd unlock new units. Yep. So it's like not entirely like that, but each of the factions has three of the four basic units as half their units. 
So like you're going to see them over and over again. And they're consistent. Right. And then they have three unique units that are just theirs, but that's all you really need to worry about for uh, keywords. And your champion, at least in the mode I play, doesn't start out available. They're face down until you've done some stuff to unlock them. So even there, you don't have to worry about what their powers are yet. So, so really it's like, you got to look at like three units and only one unique tactic. The three other tactics are also like kind of repeats from other factions. It reminds so me a little of, oh, I just forgot it. One of my favorite games of all time, Plaid Hat. Summoner Wars. Summoner Wars with the three common units and then the three champions. And then, of course, in this one, you have your own boss, which is, yeah. oh, which is actually the exact same as Summoner Wars. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. What yeah, is going but, on? but you're not understanding. <laughs> when, I'm, when I'm saying three common units, I mean all eight factions or seven factions or whatever it is have three of those four common units. Oh, okay. So it's even easier. It's even easier to learn. Got it. Um, but it's still better than the original. So, so far, I mean, it's it's certainly an improvement. The AI and stuff for the solo is really good. But yeah, so I need to play the Titan mode, which is like the more involved one. The one I played was like kind of the replacement for the original uh, Lost Cities, uh, like criminal mode they used to have. Yep. Which is basically like a almost impossible survival thing where it's really cool you're fighting these different immortals and you can't hurt them. You got to kill the other enemies to injure them or do a capture the flag thing to injure them, which can be super tough. And whoever they kill, like you have your whole 10 units and four tactics and your champion, but whoever they kill off completely is discarded and isn't available for the second immortal. And then, you know, uh, so <laughs> in my playthrough, I didn't even make it through the second immortal. I almost beat them. But even if I had, I would have only had like two units left and would have easily been killed by the third immortal. So it's it's a fun kind of like optimization uh, kind of management puzzle to try to survive it. But yeah, so I'll see how the Titan mode works and then I'll do a video and everything. But it's fun. Uh, they did a great job. Chip theory tends to be, for my taste at least, uh, pretty much all hits. So Ryan says, it's actually been compared to Summoner Wars by my friend. He prefers Summoner Wars by far. And I'm guessing I will, uh, too. As much as I like Hoplo, Summoner Wars to me is just, it's so brilliant what you can what they did with a couple decks of cards. And I love the magic system and, and how you buy units as you go along. Um, and how yeah, quick I mean, it uh, is. Hoplo has way more, like, play variety, has solo co-op. I guess Summoner Wars does with the app have solo. Uh, Summoner Wars is so based on the card play. Hoplo has nothing like that. Sure. So, yeah, I mean, they, they are skirmish games. Don't get me wrong. They're not, like, completely asimilar. They do have uh, dice-based combat, but I would not compare the two very much. They wouldn't be in my mind very much. Summoner Wars is certainly cheaper, and if you only want to play competitive, I'd probably recommend that in a heartbeat. Uh, but, yeah, if you want solo co-op, it's not going to do much for you. All right. Well, I, I'm curious to play that one because I'm curious how I will view it versus victorum because i do like leveling up i gotta be honest yeah um the, and, the other big thing missing and then i'll get off this is uh the arenas there are two arenas one like it depends on which mode you're in which arena you play on but they definitely seem a little bland after victorum's like really you, interesting arenas with the special rules and everything you well know? you got eight of them also <laughs> Well, that, that too, but also, like, there's more going on, you know, like, the Amazons with, like, the walls moving or, like, getting sure. the trident. So, yeah, so there's pluses and minuses. But anyway, uh, you know, be, <laughs> we should probably talk about Astrodites, but then also uh, let us thank some of our amazing Patreon supporters. If you don't know, we have a Patreon, uh, patreon.com slash one stop. Uh, we do uh, preview, early previews of the main channel videos, not the streams, because that would bend space and time, so it's not possible. <laughs> and uh, we also uh, do exclusive videos every month. Uh, it's often just me or me and Peter talking about something. Uh, Colin's going to do one with me uh, next month, doing a kind of a retrospective on uh, 2022 and some of the games we like there. 
But yeah, we would love to have your support. Uh, if you are interested in seeing some of those extra bonus videos, patreon.com slash one stop. And just to thank a few of our supporters, uh, I'm going to thank this week, Andrew Couch, Andrew Luxton Riley, Michelle Wilcox, Omno Manager, good username there, and Tim Rossellino. <laughs> Andrew, Andrew, Michelle, Omno, and Tim, thanks for your support. Thanks for everyone who uh, is helping us out over there and hope you're enjoying all the extra content. All right, so without further ado, let's get into Astro Knights, and I will cover the theme really quickly. Six unlikely heroes have gathered from the corners of the galaxy under one united goal to take up the fight against the astral monstrosities that threaten our homeworlds. With your powerful star cores emblazoned on your chest, you are the heroes this universe needs. You are the Astro Knights. So wow, you read more of that than I ever did. I think I read the first sentence and I was like, yep, theme and moved on. <laughs> Yeah, so bottom line is it's a boss battler, and I actually compare this to one of my favorite games of all time, which is Marvel Champions, in the fact that you're a couple of heroes, and you are taking on a boss, and you know, you're trying to kill them before they kill you. A little bit different, but I actually have some similarities that I'll get to at the end in my final thoughts. Yeah, Marvel Champions, of course, he's got the and's end. A uh, pal, Family Farm, just popped in, said, hey guys, I'm excited you are reviewing Astronauts, looking forward to it. I just got it, and I stink at it. Uh, I stink at it a little bit too. I did start winning. I even won some uh, true solo games, which I found a little bit tougher. Yes. How have you been doing, Peter? How's your win rate looking? Um, I couldn't beat the first boss. I still think that's hilarious. You never ever. I never, I never beat the first boss. <laughs> so I moved on, and I easily beat every other boss. Interesting. Yeah. So th there was a debate in our Discord about like whether Furion was uh, mistiered and like whether he's harder. But I have not failed to beat him in my last three games against him. So I don't know what's going on. Maybe, Which is interesting. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I don't Well, and, and we'll talk about player count and stuff like that as well. Yes, I think yes. that certainly matters. Do you want to go over the basics of the mechanics? Sure. It's Aeon's end. Oh, <laughs> some, some of you haven't played that. So uh, yeah, it, it is a cooperative deck builder, one to four players. They use a turn deck that has cards for each player and also two cards for the boss. So it's a randomized turn order when you go. When it's your turn, you'll generally have five cards in your hand. Uh, first, you can attack with any weapon cards that you equipped in a previous turn. So there's a lag in attacking to deal damage to the boss because you got to take all the boss's life away to win. And uh, then you'll play five cards. Many of them are getting you energy to buy stuff or activate powers. And then uh, you can also equip weapons. There's a market that is different types of cards, but only the top card is available. So it's a shifting market. It's not like the original Aeon Zem where you have the same cards available throughout the entire game. You buy cards like a deck builder. You put them in your discard pile. There is no shuffling just like Aeon Zem. You just flip the deck over and you go again. When the boss goes, you're going to activate any of their abilities. They level up as they go through their deck. They have a very small deck, usually like six or seven or eight cards, and they advance through pretty quickly. When they level up, they uh, get new like ongoing effects each turn. But then besides that, you pretty much just draw a card for the bosses. It'll either be a minion that's uh, plinking you every turn, or it'll be like an immediate attack on you. And yeah, they're, they're trying to defeat you and trying to defeat the homeworld you're defending, and you're trying to defeat them. That's ba basics in a nutshell. Yep. All right, so for those of you who haven't joined us before, thank you for joining us. What we do here is we talk about the top five things we think you need to know about the game, starting with number five, which is the least important, going to number one, which is the most important. But they're all obviously important, or we wouldn't mention them at all. So my number five point, I've never done this before. I was actually reading my, my five points, you know, just looking at them while you were going through the description. And I looked at my number five point, 
And you know what the words that are written there was? Astro Knights. And I'm like, did I just write the title as my number five point? <laughs> yeah, it really, the theme really sang to you. It's like, yes, this is what stands out about this game to me. It really did. But what I meant by that is the characters. The, the knights you're controlling yourself. Because oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, I didn't know either. It took me a while. See, this is the problem with writing your list ahead of time. And I'm looking, I'm like, I have no idea what I meant by that. Uh, yes. So, Astro Knights. Uh, so, the characters themselves are not that interesting to me. Um, they basically have two things. Well, I mean, I don't know. So they have a life stat, but everybody's is 10. Uh, they have a number of slots, which is how many weapons you can play each turn in front of you. But that either starts at one or two, and they level up. They all cost three to level up, so there's not really any difference. A few of them can there. only get three instead of four, which well, is decently impactful. Sure. Like, I don't know. I've had four weapons very few times. I certainly have had turns where I've had all four slots filled, but not that much, even when I do get to four slots. And then the other thing they have, which is the, the two things that are the most unique about each of them, is they have a power-up. So for two of your money resource, energy, I forget what it's called, but for two money, you can level up basically this track, which is different for each character, and you're powering them up. And when they get powered up, they have a special ability that they'll unleash. One of them deals five damage. Or not, one heals five damage, I'm sorry, to another Astronite. Another one does three damage plus one damage for every weapon you have in your discard pile. They're, they have all different stuff that they do. So that's one of the things that's unique about, first of all, this game. This is one of the first games that had other ways to spend your money where we really noticed it. Mm. Um, so you can spend it on powering up or buying more slots cost three, um, or you can buy car- cards for the market. So that's one of the still very cool things about it. Is, is this still all just your ever five? It's, st- it's still on Astronites. Relax. <laughs> okay. But um, the other... I mean, y- your point is the name of the game. You could just talk about everything in the game I right mean, now. exactly right. Be- exactly right. Uh, but the other unique <laughs> thing is they have one unique card in their deck you'll all start with like basic attack cards and basic money cards but they have one unique card that makes them a little different as well so there is a little difference but honestly i played all of them including the kickstarter ones and eh, like like they weren't the thing that sang to me that's for sure yeah, I mean, the, the and the, the Astronauts are so samey and kind of not that exciting for me that they didn't even make my list. Like, they might be my number six or my number seven. I will say a couple of them push you in a direction a bit more, and I sort of appreciate that because I do find, like, when I play the girl who um, interacts with text really well, like, I think that that does affect the play of the game and how I deck build a bit. Sure. But yes, um, they remind me a lot. I said for original Aeons End that like the the heroes, the wizards, mages, whatever they are, were pretty boring. And in later sets of Aeons End, they got more interesting. Yep. Astronauts feels very much like original Aeons End, like with like the, 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 the dullest of the dull, <laughs> you know, for better or worse. Yep. Um, all, right. all right. So my number five, though, is uh, a big pro generally which is the cooperation in the game. Now, it's my number five because you still have separated turns, which is not my preference in deck builders. All my favorite cooperative deck builders have, like, integrated turns in some way. Yep. Thinking of, uh, you know, uh, what is it, Battle for Greyport or Heroes of Tenefer, to name a few. But this one has very separated turns, so there can be a downtime problem. This is like, the, I'm, I'm going to get to the, ne- the negatives out of the way, especially at higher player counts. Um, th- there's the chance that you're initiative might come up really early one round and really late the next round. And that can be frustrating. Just kind of waiting around. There's not much to do on anybody else's turn, except watch what they're doing. 
But that being said, I do want to give credit, and this is why I, I put this as a pro generally. There are a lot of cards that force you to give the benefit to another hero. Yep. There are a lot of enemies that uh, force you to decide like who's taking stuff or discard uh, cards amongst the group or take damage amongst the group. And this is uh, one area that I feel like it's exceeded uh, Aeon's End in consistency, at least. Aeon's End clearly had a lot of those things, too. But I felt like the, the cooper- they leaned into the cooperation more, was my feeling in this one. I felt like almost every turn, basically every play, I had cards that were directly affecting my allies on a consistent basis. And like when I played a two and three player, we were having those conversations of how to use cards very frequently. So d- definitely a plus in my book. I feel like this is uh, the most cooperative this system has ever looked, and I enjoy it. Yeah, and player turns are pretty quick also. Yeah. Like, think of the quickest deck-building games, where it's like, okay, I do two damage, and I got three money, I'll buy this. You know, I feel like a lot of turns are that way. Now, in lower player count games, you may go back-to-back, so your second turn will almost never be that fast, because <laughs> you're, mm-hmm. like, having to look at everything and, like, kind of organize your hand again and stuff like that. So, I mean, that could lead to a little more downtime, but no, t- turns are relatively quick in this one. Um, but my number four is that there's different things to spend money on. So, I already talked about this in my number five. I forgot it was my number four, so I don't have a lot to say, except, uh, yeah, that's really I, cool. I thought so. I was like, that is definitely a point. <laughs> and I'm not going to talk about what else I want to talk about, but uh, because it's my next point, So I will say, yeah, so you can spend money to power up your power, as we talked about. You could buy more slots, or you could buy cards from different decks, um, which have different costs. So they have, like, some weapon decks that are cheaper to more expensive. There's three different piles, each of them getting uh, more expensive as you go along. You have two money piles, and then you have one tech pile. And the tech pile is kind of the most variable cost of all, but the other ones are pretty static with their costs, you know, within one or two of each other. But we'll get to that part of the point later. But the bottom line is there's usually something to do with your money. And it's not always just buy the most expensive thing you can. Yep. I'll talk about that a bit more later as well. Uh, My number four, it could be higher. And I think it might be a knock on the game that it isn't. But this is where I put the bosses. And I'm still going to call it a pro, but there are some negatives that bring it down to number four for me. So I do like the variety in the bosses. Uh, There's what, four in the base game, Peter, and then one extra with the Kickstarter, right? Yep. Okay. Yeah, and they each have their own unique deck of cards. It's not like Aeon Zen where uh, you're kind of like doing some generic cards with them. Most of them have a second unique deck that they interact with in some way, and they all have some secondary unique mechanic. Like they might mess with the turn order cards, or, like be spawning like uh, little extra minions and things. I think all that works really well. They do feel differently. Like Peter said at the beginning, maybe the like balance and the difficulty levels that are indicated aren't uh, necessarily correct, but whatever. They all have uh, two different difficulty upgrade levels if you want to make them more challenging, which I love. I love kind of those options there. They all change as they level up. So I appreciate all that. The thing that pushes it a little bit more down for me, I thought I would only love the separate decks. And when I played the prototype, I only did. I was like, yeah, let's go. And it is like nice to just be able to set it up so quickly to shuffle and go instead of like kind of like the picking cards out of different places in Aeon's End. But the thing that I don't love, again, kind of comparing is since uh, most of them only have like six or seven cards, and, and they took out uh, one type of card that was in Anzen where, like, it's slowly counting down to some big effect. And sometimes you could, like, cancel those cards by spending a lot of money. It does feel very samey while you're fighting the same person. They are, like, running their engine the exact same way every time you fight them. Like, the cards might come out slightly differently. But, like, the guy who makes droids, they just make droids. 
There's not really anything else happening. They're making <laughs> sure. some droids. You know what I mean? Sure. So, so, so they lean so hard into their unique mechanic that, like, while it does kind of sell their variety better in terms of, like, a comparing each of them next to each other, it does feel like there's less variety in the play game to game against the same um, boss, at least for me. Okay. Talk about that more later. But my number three is the deck building. And uh, it, this is the thing that makes this game different from Aeon's End. It also makes it different from any other deck building game I've ever seen. Um, mm. Because the way it works is instead of like Dominion, where you get 10 piles, each of the 10 piles has the same card all the way through, or even things like uh, Thunderstone, where the the piles like level up as you go down them. I guess Thunderstone might be the closest because they did have decks of heroes, I think, where each of those heroes yeah. were unique. But here, like there's a deck of cheap weapons and it has just cheap weapons, like two or three costs. There's a deck of medium cost weapons, which are like four to six costs or something and expensive weapons, seven, eight, nine costs, whatever it is. And then there's a deck of cheap money and a deck of medium money. And then again, these other attachments but each deck has not the same card in it it has a bunch of unique cards in them and you don't level them up and put them in order or whatever else you just shuffle them up you put them on the table and those cards are going to be different and the order they come out is going to be different from game to game so there are pros and cons to this i think the biggest pro is obviously setup time i mean you literally just shuffle these decks together throw them on the table you're ready to go there's variety from game to game unlike something like dominion where if if you have those same 10 piles, you're going to get the same cards in this, you know, because they're all the same as you go down. But the negative is where Aeon's End could build combos internally, where it was like, if you have two of these cards, do something special. Well, this game can't do that as easily. So I think the cards have to be a little more generic because of that. But for me, it was something unique and I enjoyed it because I enjoy games that are quick to set up and get to the table. And my number three is also the deck building. Uh, I agree with everything you just said. I, I would, I think maybe one of the closer deck builders is one that you just talked about. Um, Imperium has a market of available cards, but also lots of abilities that let you dig directly into a specific type of card and definitely like get that type or like dig for that type. So I think it's like different, but it does have kind of that consistency of type. Like if, Sure. My faction needs X type of cards. I have ways to always get X type of cards, even if it's not in the offer. So I think there, there's some similarities there. I guess the difference yeah, for I, me is the costing. Imperium, yes. you can't get deck build those cards unless you have a card in your deck that lets you get them, really. Or you can take one action that takes your whole turn to like grab whatever type of card you want. But here, like the piles are, are based on cost and things like that. So I see what you're saying, but for me, the costing makes a big difference. Yes. Well, and I think that's a really nice thing because you don't have uh, the thing that crops up in a lot of like sort of Ascension style deck builders where you just have a row of random cards where like you might get all the sevens, <laughs> you know what I mean? Or you might get all the ones you always have uh, availability of like all the ranges of money. You always have something good to do with your money, whether it's low or high. So I definitely appreciate that. But the thing I wanted to say for the deck building, because again, I agree with you for like the pros and the cons. Um, this has the exact same problem for me as uh, Aeon's End. Well, okay, before I say it as a problem, I like deck building in this game. It's quick, it's fun, you get more powerful. There's pretty easy combos. They have a lot of culling effects. I think it's fun. The negative, 
just like Aeon's End, and I think like you said, Peter, even maybe more so, I feel like there are very few interesting effects, at least in this core set. Yes. Like a couple cards have an equip effect where when you equip them, they do something. A couple cards have a buy effect where when you buy them, they do something. But there just aren't that many dials to twiddle. You know what I mean? It's like, yep. uh, you do some damage. Uh, uh, you draw a card. Uh, uh, you destroy a card. You power up yourself. You power <laughs> up the home world. You yep. power up that guy. You know, like... You they, power they up an the ally. They yep. can, <laughs> but, but it's a very streamlined game, and there's just not that much going on. And that's always been, for me, a complaint all the way through Aeon's End, even like into the Expedition sets. I was like, these are such boring player cards, and that has not changed. So, uh, yeah, I, I like and dislike some things about the deck building. It's definitely a mixed bag for me here. Maybe the biggest mixed bag of the game for me, and not too different from the uh, the game that it came from originally. Yeah, and by the way, uh, Dan's in the comments, and he also well, agreed that... Well, uh, actually, let's talk about that at the end, right? Yeah, go ahead. Sure. Uh, yeah, because he's asking well, about. Well, I, I was saying he he was adding on to the boss thing that I said about like the the lack of the power card, the third type of boss card oh. definitely limits their variety a little bit. I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I do want to save the rest of his comments for the end because uh, I, sure. I do think we'll get into expansions and stuff at the end. Um, all right. So my number two is was lower on your list, but I guess not that much lower at number four, which is the bosses. Mm-hmm. I I couldn't disagree with you more. I really love the variety in the boss. Now, I guess I don't disagree with anything you said. I agree. Yeah, I was going to say, I, I love the variety in the bosses, too. I just said that they were samey when you played the same boss. I I guess. And I'd never played a boss too many times where I got bored I mean, you played Furion like three times in a row and kept losing to him. Did, did you feel like he was doing very different things each game? No, but that made it so that I could do different things and try to okay. overcome yeah, yeah, what yeah. he was doing. No, I see that. I see that. Uh, and the bosses just played so much differently from each other. And none yes, of the, yes. these aren't like two-hour games, right? Like this isn't like epic games. These games are thirty minutes to an hour. Mm-hmm. And so I don't mind that there's variety or not much variety from within a boss. And some bosses, I will say, were more varied than others. Uh, I don't know if it yeah. was the Kickstarter boss, but there was one boss that kept adding cards to their deck as they kind of, like, cycled this power oh, bar. Oh, yeah, yeah. No, that, that's not the Kickstarter one. The one that has the improved cards. They they are cooler. I forgot about them. And I guess also Furion does have the artillery cards kind of vacillate between different effects, so he can play fairly differently based on the luck of what you draw there. Right. Just and, to walk back my comments a little bit. And some of them have, like, different things in those side decks. Even though the main deck's the same, the kind of side deck they pull from. Now, one of them, it's, like, all of them are exactly Exactly the same. So right. some of my guests might be more samey than others, but I do feel like each of those bosses felt completely different, which you said to, to full credit. But to me, that that's what stood out. Honestly, this was almost my number one point. It was very close, but there's something that stood out a little bit more. But this one was a huge pro for me was with those few dials they had how much cool stuff they came with, came up with for the bosses. And with that, like, one main deck and one side deck concept, I think they can do a lot more in the future, too. So I'm super excited yeah. to see what they do with new bosses. Honestly, for me, that'll be more exciting than what they do with new heroes in the future. Yes. Yeah, I think... The heroes will be tough because they took away the breaches, which again we'll get into in the design discussion, which I think allowed a lot of the uniqueness. So we'll see. Yeah. So my my number two, <laughs> maybe this doesn't deserve its own spot, and it is a complete repeat from Aeon's End. But I loved it there, and I love it here. And anytime I review one of these games, I think it's worth mentioning. 
How about that no shuffling mechanic? Yeah, How no, about it's great. That no shuffling mechanic. Yeah, so I said it earlier, but you don't shuffle your cards. You just take your discard pile and, and you, you flip it over. It takes about, you know, that long. That, that's how long it takes for those watching on the video. Um, <laughs> and then you're, and then you're drawing again and you're playing. And you know, somebody who likes a lot of deck builders, uh, it's not that much fun to shuffle them up. You know, like yeah, it, the, this no shuffling thing is the best solution besides having a bag builder instead. Because I love bag builders like Warp's Edge, where I can just be like, throw them on the bag, open shuffled. <laughs> you know, yep. um, but this is the other best way to do it. And the other nice thing is, you know, as much as I don't love the player cards and don't see as many combos and unique abilities in them, what combos are there, it's very nice to be able to set them up, to put all your money together, like, in the same part of your deck so you can try to get, like, the biggest things possible, to put uh, these weapons together because this one combos off that one in some way. So, yeah, just love this mechanic. Want to see it in more deck builders than just Aeons and Astronauts. It is, again, this is uh, maybe one of the only things that is completely unchanged from Aeon's End, and for good reason, because it's excellent. Yeah, I agree. I mean, the only negativity could be that, like, you're kind of going through your cards at the same pace as always, but you're always adding cards to it, too, and you can... You can change it up by deciding not to use your weapons one turn. So those weapons might not be with the same money they've been in past turns. So, yeah, mm-hmm. no, I, I definitely like it. I think it leads to, so we got a ARNE in the chat said no shuffling also means there's more of a decision space. I agree. You have other decisions beside just like throwing all your cards down and yeah. kind of like getting stuck with what you get stuck with. So he said it a lot more eloquently than me. So I'm just going <laughs> to leave it at that. And we're going to move on to my number one, which is it's easy to set up. And this is Mm. by far the biggest change and by far the biggest advantage for me of Astro Knights over Aeon Zen, which is literally you take out your cards, you shuffle up those six different piles, you put them out. Each boss comes in either a little box or they have dividers they give you as well that you could put it in. You just grab the cards for them. There's almost no setup time. I mean, like five minutes to get a boss to the table. Whereas for me, a lot of these games, you're putting things out into piles and okay, we need a six cost and a five cost card and this and that. And oh my gosh, it was like, especially the more sets you get, the more of a nightmare it got um, Mm -hmm. with Aeon's End as it went along. Uh, And I didn't think the gameplay was worth the setup for me. And that's part of the reason I kind of stopped playing it. But for me, Astronauts fixes that with those like individual deck piles. So for me, I just love how quick it is to like, all right, divide them out into six different piles and let's get playing. Mm. No, I totally agree. Uh, it was weird. I, I was talking to Colin on uh, Colin from the YouTube channel on uh, discord. And he, he was of the opinion, like very strongly that it took the exact same amount of time to set up the boss deck in Aeon's and disaster nights. What? And I was like, I think you're crazy, <laughs> bro. No. Because you need to, you know, you need to like look at the chart to tell you like, all right, wait, how many do I need of each deck? Okay, six, seven, five. Okay, let me shuffle this one deck, pull six of those. Okay, but then also get the boss. I need three of their ones. I'll shuffle that, take three of their ones. I'm going to shuffle it together. That's my one. And didn't they level okay, up two. into ones, twos, and threes? Well, that's what I'm saying. And then you yeah. do the same thing for the two tiers and the same thing for the three tiers and then oh, stack gosh. them all. Yeah, like in in Astronauts, I'm like, okay, five, four, done. You know, usually I'm gonna have to shuffle their side, done. You know, it's yeah. So and you got to take out the cards for the different player numbers. So if like, yeah, which takes a second. Yes, 
So, um, yes, I, I, I disagree with Khaled strongly on that. And actually, much do, easier to set up. do you talk about that anywhere in any of your points? But I think it's a really cool, interesting mechanic. I don't think they pulled it off exactly right. But do you ever talk about the, oh, the player that, numbers? No. Uh, yeah, I sort of had, I, at some point, I had player count maybe in my number five, and then I lost it. Well, here, we'll get into our final thoughts for that. But let, let me quickly go into, like, my actual number one. So I want to be really clear with this. My number one is how you play out your turn and the choices in how you play out your turn. This is not a highly strategic deck builder. Yeah, I was about um, to say, that wouldn't be in my top five at all. Well, so, 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 I, so I, I want to so be clear clean. on this. So, <laughs> like, we, we covered, it's funny that we covered Keep the Heroes out, what was it, just two weeks ago, right? I, th- I think the puzzle of how to use your cards to Keep the Heroes out, much better. The puzzle of how to use your cards in Imperium, way, way better. Yes. Because there you don't even use all your cards. You're actually picking and choosing which actions are most valuable to you in the moment. This is not that, but... For a game that needs to have very quick player turns, like you already mentioned, Peter, so that it doesn't grind to a halt with that initiative deck when you're playing at three or four players, because I think it does play at a pretty good clip. With that goal in mind, I think the choices are still pretty good. You talked about them, Peter. This is where I kind of put in the money choices. Do I power up? Do I buy cards? Do I buy more slots? I I like that kind of decision space. Which cards do I buy? Something I love that was not an Aeon's end, but was in Shards of Affinity and some other things is that you can buy specifically the tech cards, these sort of like more miscellaneous cards. You can buy those just to resolve their effect and then put that card on the bottom of the deck. Doesn't clog up your deck if you don't need that as a consistent effect, but just want that bonus once. More decision space there too. And then it's like a minor thing and it's kind of obvious sometimes, but I do like that you don't have to attack with your weapons. And especially for, like, the one damage ones, I will often leave those as, as long as I can. This was an Aeon's End, too. But I think there's, like, some kind of culling by another name, yep. culling by leaving in play. This is something that uh, Core Worlds has, too, that I really love. The idea of, like, putting cards out, not to use them, but so that they're not in your dang deck as you're shuffling it. So, yeah, I, I think it's, it's a very quick decision space. Your turns don't take a long time. But as quick as your turns are, it's got more going on than a lot of uh, deck builders in terms of like what things you're doing with your turn, you know, and how you spend your money. Oh, my gosh. And Dr. Uh, Han reminded us, I think the overcharge uh, ability is great, too. You know, I totally forgot about overcharge. I never once overcharged when I was playing after we played. I totally spaced on that mechanic. So you want to go over that real quick? Yeah, well, I did. It's oh. what I just said. Oh, you went over it as part of your points. I totally spaced You know, P- P- Peter doesn't always listen to me, uh, people listening and watching uh, this uh, stream. You know, he, he just sort of, he's like, oh, M- Mike's talking now. He just takes a sip of water. He checks his game stats. You know, he just, he doesn't I, I, I don't do any of that. I do check the chat when you're talking sometimes. So, yes, <laughs> okay, okay. there was a lot of chat yes, yes, going I, by. I literally it. just said that the tech deck lets you pay just to use the effect of the card and not add it to your deck. That is what overcharging is. Totally, totally spaced on that. Like, I never, ever did that, which makes those yeah, and, tech cards and Dan, way Dan, better. Because, honestly, that deck I almost never built from. And, and Dan, you're, you're just wrong. Like, yes, if you only play it two, you don't have to check the tart because you can memorize the numbers. But you're still having to set up three separate decks, counting out cards and shuffling six separate sets of cards to set up those things. There's no way on earth <laughs> that Aeon's Head boss setup takes longer or sorry takes shorter or the same as Astrodite's boss setup I just can't agree on that <laughs> no and and about and the player decks too like you're literally having to remember you it's like how many weapons should we have how many whatever they even had like randomizer cards yeah. to do that and then you had to randomize which weapon you were going to get as well although like, to, which to, co- to that 
the player deck, I think, is closer because to its credit, you don't have to shuffle the cards. Like, yes, you have to get like the different types of cards, but then you just lay them out, like it's done. You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, I guess, but that <laughs> that still takes way longer to find those cards, at least from my memory. Sure. Well, that- especially once. I mean, the nice thing is, as you expand Astronite, it'll be more player cards to shuffle, but it won't be more to dig through. You know what I mean? Well, it'll still be six piles or whatever. Well, that'll be interesting. We be don't nice. know that though, right? We don't know that that's the way they're going to go. Are they just I mean, going to make those piles bigger and bigger and bigger as the game goes on? I think along? so. Like, you didn't see this, Peter, but the Kickstarter was extra cards for all those piles. Oh. Which makes me think that, yeah, like, that that's what I think the intent is. Like, each expansion will add, like, five or ten cards each new pile, and they just get bigger. I mean, may- maybe at some point they'll have a rule to, like, cull them out and, like, not use as many all the time. But, yeah. Yeah, that'll anyway. be interesting. Uh, you want to do your final thoughts, or you want me to go first? Yeah. So final thoughts, um, I'm not going to get too fully into the Aeon Zen comparison, but yeah, I, I enjoy this one. Is it a top co-op deck builder for me? No, but I definitely had fun with it. I'd totally be into playing it again. Um, I haven't talked to my kids yet, but I think they'll be into it. I like the boss variety. I like the speed of setup. The choices are pretty good, but it plays super fast. Like Peter said, 30 minutes to maybe an hour, like if you're really pushing it. So yeah, if you if you like uh, deck builders, I think it's definitely worth checking out. And I hope they expand it more because I think it'll only make the experience richer. Aeon Zen versus Astronites, which one should you get there? Stay tuned for that. <laughs> yeah, I was about to say, you know, that, that's why I thought it was a weird design discussion. But uh, yeah, all right. So uh, for me, Astronites, I, I would definitely play 10 times out of 10 over Aeon Zen. Not that I wouldn't play Aeon Zen again. I just don't want to set it up and, and deal with all this stuff. And maybe this game will get there where it's just too overwrought. There's too much stuff to go through and like dig through, okay, where's this pile of cards? Where's that pile of cards? Whatever else. I feel like as long as they keep it kind of streamlined the way it is now. Now, the one thing I do, I will say is this feels like a starter set. It feels like the first set. It feels like not necessarily like Marvel champions, but I mean, I kind of got this feeling about Marvel champions when I first played it too. It's like, I wanted more. I already want more for astronauts. Uh, and, and I know it's coming, right? So it feels like Aeon Zen, when you first played it, oh, all these bosses are cool and different and stuff, but I wish there was more variety in the market. And so those are all things I'm looking forward to seeing what they do with the game in the future. I think this game could go much higher for me, and I think it could go much lower for me if, if they either mm-hmm. don't expand it or if the expansions are kind of lackluster. So for me, it's going to be a, a wait and see. Obviously, Aeon Zen's got a lot more stuff, and I guess I'll stop going to those comparisons right now. But, uh, like, they obviously, because of that, I feel like they are going to expand this one quite a bit. I feel like it'd be pretty easy to expand as well. New bosses, new astronauts, things like that. So, yeah, I think it's a very good core box. Comparing it to one of my favorite games, Marvel Champions, I think I would rather play this more times at uh, higher player counts, three- and four-player games where I don't think Marvel Champions handles it as well, Uh, or if I have a limited amount of time to play a game. uh, So I could see playing this as almost an introduction to Marvel Champions too. Yes, none of the mechanics are the same, but it's like, oh, it's the same (laughs) core concept of fighting bosses, right? If you like this and how, you know, how it, like the feel of fighting and killing a boss, coming up with a strategic puzzle, I feel like in both games you're doing some similar things with like just trying to hold them off, hold them off, hold them off till you really get your big attacks later in the game and kind of kill them off once you built yourself up. So I feel like there are a lot of similarities that would transfer as far as skill set goes. Hello? Oh, I lost you for a second. Are you still there? Yeah, I'm still here. Can you hear me? Hello? Uh Uh-oh. 
Hello? I can I can hear you. You can't hear me? Mike? Hello? Mike? No! Hey everybody, welcome back. Oh wait, my video is totally frozen. Uh, but my microphone's working. Wow, that is, that is terrible. Let me see if I can fix my video. But sorry everybody, I hit, uh, I hit the power <laughs> button. That, that, that's what happened. I, there's no other excuse for it. There's no, uh, nothing I can, uh, blame that on. Anything else? I was grabbing my, um, my top five list to pick up. And I hit the power button while I was doing that, and that was, uh, yeah, that, that happened. So, uh, so yeah, so I apologize. I'm gonna get my stupid face off of the screen here in a minute. Although my moving stupid face is uh, replacing that stupid face. So, uh, mm. all right. So I don't know. I was making great points, and then I turned myself off. I'm like, like I canceled myself, Mike. This is like, <laughs> I did it. Yeah. Well, so- should we just get into the Aeon Zam versus uh? Astronauts yep. conversation. Let's do it. All right. So um, I just want to knock these down because there are like some major differences. Let's hit them one by one. Yep. On the hero side, since that was your first point, Peter, I think the mages and the heroes are pretty comparable. You know, they tended to have one unique card in Aeon Zen. They yep. tend to have one unique card here. They had like their power up and big splashy ability. Like I said, I think Aeon Zen got more interesting later, but Astronites could as well. So really the only thing that I, I would say I miss is the breach system in Aeon Zen. So for yeah. those who have not played Aeon Zen, in Astronites you pay three energy, you got another slot. That's it. <laughs> it's that simple. You got another place to attack with. In Aeon Zen, you can pay little bits of uh, money to rotate breaches and temporarily that turn open them up to put a spell into which I always thought was kind of cool because I would like sometimes like cull my worst cards into those breaches and not worry about rotating them again. And then eventually you could like open them for good. And uh, for most mages, the ones on the right would deal bonus damage. So I think there was more interesting stuff going there. It made the, it made the already interesting choice of how to spend your money resource even more interesting with the breaches. And, and a big thing, the thing that I kind of miss the most about them and worry the most about is that I think the breaches gave some of the later mages their biggest differences. Yes. And like I agree. most variety. Yep. Because um, they did some really cool things with the breaches. And I worry are they either never going to do something like that because the slot system is like built into the player boards and is like really kind of a basic thing now? Or are they going to like awkwardly like add cards in that like do weapons differently maybe to try to do something? So yeah, I just worry the mages in Aeon's End will always be more interesting than Astronites. Which is fine. I think this is supposed to be the more streamlined game, but I do think it's something is kind of lost there a bit. Yeah, I will say I found some of the unique powers that they had very interesting, but I'll be honest, I hadn't played Aeon's End too far in. I mean, we played like one or two games with the later sets, but not really deep dives into them. And I definitely found the cards, the one card that you put in your deck, more unique than I remember Aeon's End cards being at the beginning. Um, I would say it's maybe better than like the original Aeon Zen, but like I was playing uh, Outcasts a bunch because I got that set. Yep. And, and I thought the mages there were much more interesting just as a rule than anything we have in Astro Knights. Okay. So maybe more to come um, with that. Yeah. But yeah. I, I, again, I just worry that it'll be tough for them to make them more interesting. Right. Because they've kind of locked themselves into a very simple mechanical form of it, you know? 
I mean, yes, but that is the only real difference, right? Is, yes, yes. So, so yes, it will be interesting to see because I agree with you, though, that some of the later ones, it's like, oh, it's cool how they changed up this basic thing. Now, maybe later on they change up how they power up. They change the cost. Um, maybe they will change the cost to power up different breaches and put a little plus one next to it. I mean, I, I yeah, I can't imagine it would be that hard to do. It's no, like you're right. Your fourth and one, maybe all your slots get powered up plus one or something for a certain night or whatever. And so, I, I guess it wouldn't be that hard to like just kind of replicate some of the special breaches. Like if you just had a card that didn't go in your deck that started face down and said four energy to flip this. And it was like a special slot. You could load one weapon into, you know what I mean? Like, I guess they could replicate some of the cool stuff, but I mean, even um, because it's a little peg that you're moving up the and down your player board, you could right next to the top peg, say plus one damage for one of your weapons or something yeah, like yeah. that. Now you wouldn't have the cool, like you have to load it into that spot and you wouldn't have the cool rotating to like be able to use a, a spot for a turn or whatever. I agree with all that, but, um, sure. There, there are. Uh, they certainly have less design space here, unless they start adding extra cards, as you said. But yeah, I think that's pretty much it for the player side of things. So then we get into like the mechanics, the market, and the bosses, right? So which of those you want to talk about next? We'll talk about the market because that's the one I'm most curious. I mean, I feel like the bosses are almost identical. I mean, I guess we can b- briefly go over the bosses. Like for me. I love the variety of bosses in Aeon's End. I love what they did with that. I felt they were very creative, and I think they did the same thing here. I guess the only difference is what we were saying. I, I like the way they level up here actually better because when you go through your deck, now it leads to what you talked about being you're going through your deck two or three times, the same thing, but mm. I feel like the plus one, or, or basically the power card, that, or the level up like cardboard shit you put on the board makes them definitely harder the second pass through. Yes. And I don't know that Aeon's End bosses were that unique either. Maybe they just did have three more health or whatever else. You know what I mean? I, they c- could do more unique things as they went through that deck, but I just love how fast this was to yeah, yeah. to level up, and I thought it was clever how they did it. So uh, and, and it did feel more impactful, and they'll take cards out the second time through, and if they don't want them in the first time through, they could put them in your discard pile at the start mm-hmm. and add them in later. So they have ways to change things up your second and third time through, and I'm looking forward to seeing how they experiment with that more as they come up with more bosses, but I think there's plenty of room in there for development and again, I loved how quick and easy it was to set up. I didn't have to think about it. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't want to repeat myself. I, I would say this is a bit of like a mixed bag for me. I do miss the power cards. Not only because like the the sense of dread as they counted down was really cool, but also because um, many of them gave you another consideration for big amounts of energy and money and made money sometimes more valuable in the late game. Whereas here, well, I guess you can still overcharge text with money and like always power up your big power. But I do miss the power cards. And again, I'm kind of mixed. Like having the generic cards was kind of a bummer. But it was also kind of cool that like this time I play through that boss and the next time I play through that boss, oh, they have a totally different minion like that I never saw before. And it like really changes the way I got to approach them this turn. I don't know. I think it's kind of neat. But yeah, in in the end, I agree with you that uh, like the setup is faster and the leveling up mechanic is smooth. So, yeah, it, it's a bit of give and take here. I certainly don't mind how Astronauts did it. I guess in theory, they could do things like uh, Marvel Champions um, modular sets 
where they kind of put a modular set in with the boss. But again, it levels up the same way as they're leveling up now, um, where they could even say, you know, start this out of play and it comes in your second shuffle through or um, take it out after level one or whatever else. So they could do modular stuff, obviously not with the bosses they already have, but with later bosses. Yeah, that that is another thing. Uh, one of the nice things about later Aeon's End sets was that you would get uh, they have would have new sets of the neutral cards. So then, even if you're playing the exact same boss, you would see all new neutral cards and it would kind of change up the feel. Here, it seems like it would be awkward because what would you do? You'd be like, all right, shuffle up their ten cards and take eight of them, or shuffle up the twelve cards. Like if they added individual cards to the bosses, so it seems like they've kind of uh, sort of like the uh, the heroes in the breach it seems like they've sort of uh, made it tougher for themselves to expand out existing monsters and add variety to them i don't know all right so we'll we'll talk to dr han uh, says i disagree it's a weak way of making me fight the same minion i'd rather uh, a new unique minion i mean yeah, so, so basically agreeing with what i said and yeah I, I i do kind of lean that way but i also like that it's faster to set up so i don't know well, I don't know. Also, How d- 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 Dr. They, Han, is it, isn't Aeon's End your, your significant other's number one game? I don't think you're a, a, a non-biased participant in this discussion. Well, sure. <laughs> and you're comparing a core set to, like, seven expansions in as well, which is always hard to do, right? When Marvel Champions came out, people were like, oh, my gosh, there's so much more variety in Lord of the Rings or whatever. And now that we're, like, you know, six cycles in, you don't ever hear that argument anymore. So, I, but, but, again, I do think Aeon's End had... The mechanics clearly set for how they could expand in different ways. Astronauts might find a way to do it, but it seems more awkward to do so at the outset. You know what I mean? Like, it's going to be tougher for them to make that kind of stuff happen. It'll be curious to see. And he says, without power cards, you don't need to buy almost any money and and don't have a risk of not being able to afford something later. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so, well, once you can get to like that seven or even like six cost stuff, that's usually enough for the rest of the game. So I, I do agree with that. No, they could add those back in, right? That's not sure. anything that they're like stuck without forever. Well, I, I mean, I see why they don't have them because the weird thing about power cards is since the entire mechanic of the levels is based on shuffling these same cards over and over again, and those being the timer in the game having a power card that like sits out for three turns and might be sitting out when you reshuffle the deck. And now you have one less card in there and you can't do much about it. Yeah. It's a little bit weird. So I don't know how they'd work it in, uh, but uh, let's get to, so uh, Dr. Han and A-R-N-E, Arn or Arnie, sorry, I'm sure I'm pronouncing that wrong. Um, they had mentioned uh Gravehold versus the home world. This is like what you're protecting. I think this is definitely an upgrade for me. So in Aeon's end, Gravehold, at least in the first three or four sets didn't do anything it was just a life bar yep um in i believe it's outcast they added something kind of similar to the whole homeworld mechanic here where there was like a uh a central guy you could like level up to trigger like an awesome ability my problem with him was now correct me if i'm wrong i haven't played outcast in a while but my problem with him compared to the homeworlds was that you could spend regular energy to power him up so I often found an outcast that if my character's power wasn't that good, I would spend all my energy powering him yes. up and it kind of took away my uniqueness. Yep. Whereas the home worlds in Astronites are triggered by effects on the cards. And because they started with that from the outset, instead of being something that was tacked on in a later expansion like Aeon's End, they were able to build that in as a consistent card effect in all six of the decks. So I, I, I think... For me, there's no question. I think the Homeworld thing is way, way better than um, Aeon's End. Although, (laughs) 
Ar- Arn brought up that Shatter Rift has like the actual characters you're cycling through, and like bad things can go in there. Like you're kind of like saving specific villagers. I, mean, I think that's, that's more, way more than any of them. Well, yeah, but yeah, also but way more complicated. More, it is way more complicated. It has more shuffling, more management. I'm not saying I want it, but it is also more interesting in a lot of ways. But yes, uh, if we want a more streamlined version, Homeworld, Astronauts, all the way for like what you're actually defending. Sure. And I will say that I think this is a great game to introduce to families as well. Like, even the non-gamers in my family, my daughter is probably the least gamery of my family. And when she saw me playing it, she's like, oh, that looks really interesting. So I do think that there is, just because it was easy to tell what I was doing, right? Like, Mm. I mean, it's not much more complicated than um, Aeon's End, to be fair. But I do think just because the ease of setup, how quickly I put it down, got to the gaming, you know, with kids, like the longer it takes to set a game up, the less likely they are going to be to want to play it with you when you get it it all said and done. So I do think, especially at least in this core box, it's easy and it's appealing for families as well, because I think it is easy to get to the table. Yes. All right. So the last big thing we already discussed it some during the review, but that's like the market, I think. So the big, the biggest thing I think you lose with this way of doing the market is that you don't have like combos in the cards, which is something I very much feel exists in Thunderstone Quest to an extent, definitely in Dominion. Like Dominion, you can almost like look at the market and be like, "Yep, that's the engine I'm going to play." If you're good at Dominion, you know. Sure. The the reason that I don't care that much <laughs> that we've lost that in Astro Knights and you don't have the set card markets in uh, Aeon's End is that, again, Aeon's End player cards are often so dull and barely combo with each other 90% of the time that I never gave a crap <laughs> that I had. Or it was such an cards. obvious combo, right? Right, like, right. Or it's like the only things I'm going to buy are the three weapon and the three spell and the six spell. Right. Because those are a good combo. Nothing else does anything. Yeah. So it, it was kind of those two extremes. So yeah, like I, I, I do like set market decks in some games and like the ability to kind of have consistent combos. I just think Aeon's End tends to be such a weak deck builder specifically for player power combos and variety that it didn't matter to me. So yeah, I, I think Astronauts is a winner there for me, for sure. Well, it let them do cool things too. Like some of the cards let you discard the top card of one of the decks, right? And put it on the bottom. So that way you can clear out, like if there's a super expensive card that nobody can afford, or like if there's a card nobody wants because it doesn't work with whatever you're doing. Uh, I do think there are ways to make cooler combos. I wish they did it easier, I wish I could like spend two to clear off the top card of a of yeah. a deck. I think something more consistent like that would make it even more interesting, more intriguing. Maybe that's something they add in the future. But I truly liked how I wasn't always staring at the same cards, but I also had a consistency in the cards. You know, games like Ascension, where you just have yeah. a row of cards, you could have all expensive cards, all attack cards, all bases, all whatever, like all of one thing. I like how they made it so that you had different things and at different price ranges, but at the same time, it wasn't the same, you weren't staring at the same things the whole time. So for yeah, me... Yeah, and, and it... It keeps it from being overwhelming, even though the market is constantly changing. Yep. Because, you know, realistically, only want to look at, like, the cards that are right around the the amount you have for that turn. Like, I'm just going to look at the fives, probably, and maybe the threes. I'll look at those sevens very rarely. You know, for better or worse, I think it does kind of highlight that the combos still aren't really doing anything special. But, yeah, I I would say, for me, Astronite's market wins 
but I don't love the market in either game compared to many other deck builders. You know what I mean? Like, I don't think that they is need the, to get more interesting. Yeah. The cards. Themselves. Well, they're not, I, I don't think they're going to how many releases have they had in both lines now? And the player cards continue to be what they are. So I think it's just like, I think Aeon Zen did way more interesting stuff with the mages, but they've just kept the player cards very generic in my opinion. Now I have not played uh, what was the most recent, like big one, the like second legacy set. I haven't played that. Maybe they finally got the awesomest player cards ever, but I highly doubt it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, because they're really working with two currencies here. They're working with money to buy new cards and attack power. And that's kind of yeah. it. I mean, there were some interesting ones, like the one that's like do three damage and then two, two damage to a minion. Like, that's kind mm-hmm. of interesting. And like, there are certain times you want to use that more than others. But I definitely think that is the weakest part of the game, and hopefully they figure something out for the market. And I, I don't know what the answer is. I do like, though, because they have the like cheap cards always out there, they don't have to have that like generic, hey, buy a, a lieutenant that gives you plus two money card. Mm. Um you know, so they made the, you know, a lot of the cards do give you two money, but they also do something else and they have different costs yeah. based on that. So, you know, I, I do think they've done some cool things with what they have. I'm curious to see what they do in the future. And uh, Dr. Han pointed something out. What are they going to do? Because one of the bosses loss condition is decking you out of all the cards. So if they oh, just yeah. keep adding cards to those player decks, I mean, that would be certainly the easiest way to do it. But they're also going to have to add a rule in. It's like, all right, shuffle these cards together and then deal out 10 cards, 20 cards, whatever which else. Which would increase uh, setup time. Setup time, which would make it more variable from game to game, but also sure. make it less interesting or, or would take away my biggest pro, which was easy right. setup. Yeah, that, that would remind me that that does seem like probably the way they'll go with that boss. Although I just kind of wish they would change that boss. Sure. Was that the it reminds me boss? of uh, like remember Galaxy Trucker with the first expansion where it was like, hey, remember how you used to always use all the tiles? Now count out this many tiles if you're playing with this many players. And yeah, you know it's a necessary evil, but it's also not <laughs> as smooth a play experience. You know. Sure. Yeah. So for me, I'm gonna stick with Astronites. Uh, as the game I would rather play, I wouldn't turn down Aeons, and certainly, and certainly, if somebody sets up the market and s- does all the setting up, of course. I'm, I mean, if it's easy enough for me to just sit down and play, but I do find the the market is the thing that brings me in and is um, more attractive to me. Even if somebody else is setting up the market for the other one, I still find it kind of boring that you're you're choice doesn't change throughout the game um yeah which i mean if if nothing else that is the one thing that i prefer about astronauts but i'm really curious to see what happens with future expansions yeah Um, me too and what they do to keep increasing variety both in the astronauts and the bosses yeah as for me astronauts or aeon's end it really depends on what game i'm trying to play and like what i'm looking for if i'm gonna play solo i'm gonna pick warp's edge (laughs) or imperium classics or legends if i want like a more like involved kind of engine building experience i mean but you're talking 30 minutes versus two hours for imperium well maybe an hour not warp's edge well that's that's why i said warp's edge first if i want a quick experience i'd definitely rather play warp's edge than astronauts but if i'm looking for like a really cooperative deck builder that plays pretty quickly i'm gonna pick Here's a Tenifer. <laughs> but if I'm looking for a longer deck builder with a lot of cooperation and like talking between players, I'm going to pick Battle for Greyport. <laughs> so, 
Yeah, that, 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 that's the weird thing for me. I, I don't know if Astronites beats in any way deck builders that I already like and own more. <laughs> you know what I mean? But I do think it is good for a quick, light, fun, cooperative deck builder. I think it does a nice job of that. And between Aeon's End and Astronites, the one thing I'll say is I really did like the expedition mode in Aeon's End, New Age, and Outcasts. And that's what I recommend to people who are like at least experienced gamers as like their first purchase now instead of War Eternal or the original. Right. So, which are the two I own, by the way, the first two. Yes. Great. Thanks. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah, if they added something like that to Astronauts, it's like a little like core, sort of cool, like campaign ish mode where you have like some leveling up in between, but then besides that, reset your deck. Like that could be kind of neat. But yeah, I guess right now I would lean towards Astronauts between the two. Arde asks, could you shuffle up Aeons and cards and make similar markets as Astronites? Might not work. And I think the problem with that is some of those cards are really designed to work within them with themselves. But you certainly yeah. could do that. And Dr. Uh, Han says it doesn't address setup time. It kind of does, though, if you just kept those together that way, right? Like, if you just yeah, I guess you just like take decks. one. If you own a lot of Aeons, then you can just take one copy of each. Yeah, and just um, separated my costs, right? Like, and do yeah, because okay, they already kind of do that, right? Don't like when you're building the market, they're like take this many of like five to seven cost crystals, and this many of two to four cost crystals, and this many two to three cost weapons. So they, yeah, they, they sort of have it, just not as codified. Yeah, it would kind of work because there's very few. There's, there, like there was one mechanic. I think it was in War Eternal, maybe where like they had like spells that would do better if you bought multiple copies of them. Yep. If you take those specifically out, all the rest should kind of work. Yeah. I mean, I guess if you're trying to recreate that market, you could do that. I mean, they're your games, right? You could do whatever you want with them. Uh, (laughs) Like, I I think it should work, but it's certainly not the way it was designed, right? Yes. Now, um, what's interesting is, in my mind, which game do you think costs more, Peter, MSRP? Base game Aeon Zen 2nd Edition or base game Astronauts? Base game Aeon Zen. Because there's just a lot more in it. No, no. Which one do you... Th- oh, costs more is what you're saying. Yeah, that yeah. And then... Yes. See, it has more. It's a bigger box. It seems to have Yeah, it more has a lot it. more components. It's yep. got the same number of bosses. I think it's a little bit more mages. I just checked. Identical MSRP. $50 for each. 35 in most uh, online shops for Astronauts and Aeon Zen. Which I actually, I think is... I think that shows what a great price Aeon's End has remained at. Yeah. <laughs> I, I did not expect it to be 35 discounted price. Well, But it is interesting that you're... I think you're getting about the same variety in experiences and bosses and heroes and all that with both games. But certainly for somebody who actually like counts cards and counts components, Aeon's End is a better like stuff and cardboard value than Astronites, you know? Well... You wonder if that's because those were old printings of the game, and when they have to reprint it because printing costs are higher now, then they raise the price at that point. Because yeah. right now, those are all sunk cost games, right? They, they've already printed them. They paid what they paid for them. I wonder if the price is going to go up if and when they have to reprint Aeons. And that'll, that'll be interesting. Well, and actually, now I'm looking. It looks like Outcast and New Age cost more than 2nd Edition. And they do have like that whole like kind of like sort of campaign unlock element, but I also think they have less, fewer player cards. I think I, I haven't checked the numbers, so yeah, that that does seem to support the idea that the cost of Aeon's End has gone up over time, and they've just kind of kept the second edition at the same price they already had it, and maybe a new printing would change that. 
So I think Astronite's going forward. I, I bet Astronite's expansions will cost less in terms of content than comparable Aeon Zen expansions, maybe. You know what I mean? Yeah, it'll be interesting. It'll be interesting to see. But uh, definitely one to keep your eye on. If you like Aeon's and you might not like this. I mean, we're seeing that with Dr. Han, right? Like, well, yeah, and you definitely don't need to buy it, <laughs> right? Well, if you already have a lot of Aeon's and stuff. Yeah, but for people who don't have either, I would definitely recommend Astronites. For me, it is the one I would rather have, and I have both right now. But that might mean the end for Aeon's and for me, especially if the first expansion comes out and blows my mind. You know, it, it's definitely something that I would prefer Astronites. Just because for me, ease of setup, even if it's not for somebody who's played the game 50 times, mm-hmm. you know, Dr. Han's like, oh, but it's always three, four, and five cards or whatever. I'm like, yeah, but you know that because you've played the game 500 times. I played the game like seven times, and the last time I played it was two years ago. Last time I played this was two years ago, or if this was, if that was the case, it would be very easy for me to pick it up and set it up, whereas, you know, Aeon's End's going to take a lot longer. So maybe for experts at the game, that doesn't hold true anymore. But for those of us just getting in who want to play it, you know, as part of your 300-game collection, I think this is going to be much easier to get to the table. And so for me, that's why this one wins out. Yeah, and I would say the only people that I might recommend Aeon's End for, I mean, first of all, it does have the advantage of more options right now, things you can buy immediately if you want more content, more varied experiences with Legacy, with the story-based campaigns, with the expedition mode. And I do think there's a little bit more meat there. Like we said, you know, with the breaches, with the power cards and those choices and the bosses. But uh, I think my, you know, my tastes tend towards streamlined like yours tend to as well, Peter, at least for like non-Euro games. And certainly Astronauts, I think, wins in that case. Yep. All right. Well, that's our thoughts on Astronauts and a lot of people from the chat, too. So as you see, we're very interactive here on the podcast. So please join us on the One Stop Co-op Shop stream channel for our live recordings of these podcasts and let your opinions be known. But thanks for joining us, everybody, and we'll see you soon. Bye. Bye. Thanks for joining us again for the One Stop Co-op Shop podcast. Check out our YouTube channel at One Stop Co-op Shop. Also, join us for games and discussion on our Discord channel. You can support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash one stop, or leave us a review on iTunes. Thanks again, and we'll see you next week for another Top 5 list. Hey, Mike. Yeah. My number 10 point, Astronauts.